What's up, everybody? It's IBS Jesus coming at you guys again with a um, another rendition of IBS After Dark. Um, going to be talking about pretty much NFL action today. I don't think we're going to stray too far from the NFL. Uh, it be pretty much me and Ronnie uh, going back and forth about some of the storylines this week in football and then also going on so far in the season. So if you give me a second, I'll get him on. See, actually, you know what? <laughs> I fooled myself. Uh, I'm hosting through the uh, IBS um, blog talk today, so it's it's a little different. Um, it says his name, but it's actually me. But I think that's him calling in right now. So give me a second. Ronnie, is that you? Yeah. All right. Cool. Um. So uh, we'll. Get right into it. Uh, this past Sunday in the NFL, you could kind of tell people are starting to uh, somewhat separate themselves from the pack. Uh, the playoff picture is getting a little bit more clear. Um, there's some teams already packing it in, uh, six losses, some uh, five. But um, I just want to touch base on um, some of the, the top storylines going on in the NFL this week. Uh, and we'll start first off with the uh, NFC East. Who do you think is going to win the NFC East? It seems like it's a two-man race right now. Uh, that's a good question. I go back and forth. I really don't want it to be Giants because I can't stand them. It seems like the Eagles, honestly, though, are really put it together, and the Giants just look so just mediocre. Even the games where I see the Eagles in this little run after they started, I think they started 0-2, where they looked good or pretty good. They weren't dominating, but they won in convincing fashion. But you look at the way that the Giants struggled with Tampa Bay and even that the way they struggled with Dallas and Graham, the Eagles did too, so I guess that wasn't thrown out. But And you look at the way the Saints went up and down the field on the Giants, it's just don't believe in the Giants. I'm more willing to believe in the Eagles, even though they're going to lose the first round again if they make it, and so are the Giants most likely. So I guess the Eagles, but I mean, you look at your choices. It's just the Eagles, even when they win, they don't seem very, like you said, they don't. The, neither team is impressive. Neither team is really no. separating themselves. Um, what What do you think is the X factor? Uh, determining which team actually wins the division. Uh, is it something that they control, or is it is it going to come down to one of those things where maybe a game against the Redskins or a game against a healthy Dallas uh, might determine who wins the division? Well, I haven't looked at both of their schedules to compare, but obviously that's always a factor. I know they play each other one more time late in the season, so that should be a big game. Uh, I think they both have another game against the Redskins, who could play spoiler? They played spoiler last year to the Eagles, I believe. And uh, mm-hmm. they beat the Cowboys early this season, but they played spoiler to the Eagles and they needed to win. Uh, so, But I think if you're just comparing the two teams outside of their schedule, you're looking at the defenses. Can the Giants get consistent play from their defense, which they kind of had a hard time with uh, Jameis yesterday. They obviously had a hard time with Drew Brees, who set a record against them. Can they get their – with JCP back, uh, I'm told, from what I saw, I didn't see a lot, but the announcers and when they went back to show some of the highlights from the tape, they said he looked pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see how that goes. It wasn't as impressive to me, but it's better than what they have. So if they can get a pass rush or some play out of their secondary, 
that'll make things easier for Eli. On the other side, you got a big injury to Jordan Hicks, but you got uh, Kiko Alonso coming back, and just the defense is is more impressive with the Eagles. But I think it's going to be the defense because both those offenses are inconsistent. You're going to have to get a defense to step up and make some plays and win some games. Yeah, I I I like uh, Spagnola. I was talking about him. Um, with the uh, Giants fans during the uh, fan cast, but it, it just doesn't seem like they have a lot to work with um, in regards to what we, we're used to seeing out of the New York Giants and, and how they make that late season run um, defensively, you know, up front. It's just a lot of question marks, and then I think their secondary is a little banged up. They got a rookie back there as well. So um, I'm, I'm in agree- agreement with you. Uh, the Eagles seem to have the slight advantage. Now, whether or not they, they actually seize the moment is still up in the air. And we'll probably end up talking about this in a couple of weeks and, and questioning Chip Kelly. Uh, do you think do you think the Eagles' success this year, um, do you think it's something that will keep Chip Kelly? Do you, do you see Chip Kelly possibly leaving at the end of the year? Is that a possibility? Is that far-fetched? I mean, there's going to be plenty of college openings. I don't think he will. Obviously, he came to the pros for a reason. He hasn't accomplished that goal. Obviously, the Super Bowl is a goal, but he hasn't even done a, a run into the playoffs. Also, you got to look at they gave him everything he wanted in terms of money now, in terms of control. So why would you leave? You built up the team and tore everything down, built it up for image. Why would you leave then? So I don't see him leaving for college. I don't see them firing him this year regardless. He's all, he's mm-hmm. already kind of redeemed the season. So if they go eight and eight, they go nine and seven, even. And if they don't win the division, I could see him getting another year to work his system as far as with the players that he wants as a general manager. So I think he stay, he stays. Okay. Um, I got a uh, I got a question I didn't actually send to you. <laughs> Um, the 49ers named Blaine Gabbert the starter for the the next game going up against the Seattle Seahawks. Is this is this just is this a hot hand scenario? <laughs> Are we going to see Blaine Gabbert replace uh, Colin Kaepernick, or or is it just them kind of still protecting Colin Kaepernick's uh, ego? I never thought that. I never bought that. They move off him. They're not going to sign him back next year. I I, I, I thought it was a make-or-break season. He's Harbaugh's guy for the most part. They're just going to mm-hmm. move off him when the season goes off, and they're saying the right thing, but he's not coming back. And even you hear the reports of them of him just being cut straight out, that he wants to be cut straight out. So I think that's just a lot of hot air you say to be nice, but they benched him because they didn't think they could do anything else with him, which I think might be a mistake. But in this day and age, it's very hard to bench a quarterback and come back. I don't agree with that and come back with them. I don't agree that that should be the case, but that's just the way things are structured these days. Mm-hmm. Did you um, happen to catch any of the uh, highlights from the uh, game Sunday, the 49er game? I, I was watching bits and pieces of it. Got did you, did you, pieces of it. Yeah, did you notice a difference in, in anything in, in regards to – I think a lot of people have been focusing on um, how players are reacting to Blaine. Um, they're, they're, you know, there's conflicting reports. I've got video of people at the game and, and, and fans at the game acting one way, and then people are reporting that the fans are upset. They booed Kaepernick. 
the players were more energized because Blaine was better, and and I'm I'm under the impression it it just looked better because Blaine got rid of the ball because the line didn't give up a sack all game, and that, I think that's something they haven't done in almost two years. Yeah, I mean that's true. That that is very true as far as what you're saying, but it's the old thing. I've seen. I've been watching football since I was eight years old. The backup quarterback is always the most popular guy if the other quarterback's struggling. And then they'll come in and play a game or two and look good. But Blaine Gabbert has a big enough of a sample size to know who he is as a quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. I don't care what that one game is. I don't care if it's a new system because sooner or later you're going to have to be down there in the pocket. It's going to be third and seven, and you can't scheme around it, and the team's going to be prepared for what you do and take away your first and second option and you're going to have to make a play and go through your progressions and take a big hit. If you can't do that, you can't play quarterback in the National Football League. And I've never seen one that couldn't do that for like 20 games then all of a sudden magically could. So <laughs> I think the it's just silly to even start playing Gabbard thing. But I know that, I mean, just he gave them hope because, because Kaepernick, a lot of it was confidence, but it's just silly. We know who Blaine Gabbard is. I guarantee you you're not going to see anything different out of him. The longer he plays, the more he'll be exposed, just like any other player in the NFL. It's all about consistent performance. And he's not going to you – don't, you don't turn a giraffe into an elephant. Giraffe, giraffe, elephant's an elephant. He's scared of pressure. That's not going to stop. Once they start getting to him and finding ways, they're going to get to him. I agree. I agree. I think um I think that's kind of what we saw um with uh Kirk Cousins. Uh and, and a couple other guys, like you said, you know, the backup comes in and, and he's kinda of got an advantage. And there's a little bit of uh film on Blaine, but obviously not Blaine in, in this system and, and those things matter. But uh if we're gonna be honest, I think Dan Quinn's lack of experience uh kinda of bit his team in the butt at the end. He made a uh, very conservative call um, on a, on a fourth and goal, and I and I think that was the difference in the game. So uh, it's kind of a perfect storm, you know. He he did did well enough to win the game, and didn't necessarily do bad enough to lose it. And the Falcons kind of helped them along with uh, play calling and a couple other silly mistakes here and there. So um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they're throwing him in the fire. He's got to go to Seattle and play Seattle. So. I'm going to expect the worst. <laughs> Let's see. Um, the next question I have, and uh, it's going to touch on um, a subject that a lot of people like to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. Now, I didn't watch the entire game. I was just following the stat line and, that, and you know, taking a look at, at pretty much play-by-play. Uh, what's your take on Aaron Rodgers? Like, is is he really elite? And And I know – People probably listen and be like, what do you mean? How is he not elite? And I ask that because there's just two – there's a trend with him when he comes to playing top defenses in the league. He doesn't do what Tom Brady does against the top defense. So I'm wondering, are, are we putting him at elite status too soon? Is there still work to do with Aaron Rodgers? Oh. Whoops. Did you drop? It dro- I call, I, yeah, I call back, but you must click me back right. in. Was, was that the only thing you asked about Aaron Rodgers? I caught the tail end of it because. Yeah, I was asking about Aaron Rodgers. Well, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers is, he, he is an elite quarterback, and he is 
so gifted. The things he can do are amazing. But I think he's missing Jordy Nelson. I had this conversation with my brother, and it took me a long time in watching film to really appreciate Jordy Nelson. Now, I'm going to be honest, because he was white. Like, I didn't think he was that good. But when I really started breaking him down on film, he's just like, he's unguardable. He really is. He's very, well, Sherman can guard him. But in general, he's very difficult to cover, and he gets himself open. Now, without a guy that can get open with isolation routes, and that's what they like to do. They don't run a lot of bunch formations, and they don't use the scheme to get the guy open. The guy goes one-on-one against the corner, and he has to beat him. That's how the Packers play. And when you have that kind of a style, if your guys don't get separation, you you as a quarterback are in trouble. So what Rodgers tries to do is he uses that improvisational ability that he has that makes him so great and to, to give them more time to be open. But what that does is you're playing outside of structure, so you're more likely to make a mistake. And I haven't looked up the stats, but I, I guarantee you he's playing outside of the pocket. He's holding the ball longer than he has with Jordy because he's trying to make a play and waiting for those guys to get open. So he's not he is more pressure on him to carry the load, and he can do that, but I don't think he can carry the load to the Super Bowl. And if you look at the past, he had that one amazing run. But since then, in playoff games, he has not been great. Those games against the 49ers, he have not been great. That game against Seattle, he was not great. And everybody wants to make excuses for the injuries. And you see the game against Denver, good defense, not great. Game against Carolina, good defense, not great. He beats up, like luck, he beats up on a lot of these bad teams and then when they play a good defense, it's not the same kind of performance. Where you look at Brady's performances against good defenses historically, his stats actually go up. Yeah, and you can go all the way back to, um, I think last year, his his first uh, hiccup was against the Buffalo Bills. If yes, I'm not mistaken, I, I think yeah, the Bills just at made, him, they made him look plain. Yeah, at Buffalo on the road. So, um, I know... Obviously, Packer fans are biased, but, you know, you, you hear about it a lot, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Every time you talk about elite quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers. But to me, nobody's above criticism. I mean, we we got people well, – actually, you know what? Only person above criticism is Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, we, but if you play that, like it last year, you know, you got to knock him. That's the thing. These guys get mad because I bring up things. If any other quarterback said that he got scared on the last play of the game and threw an interception – <laughs> that's okay yeah. to say, and that's okay for that to happen. It's not yeah, like that's... he won four Super Bowl. It's not like he's Brady. He doesn't have a history of amazing performance and leading his team to well, what I'm saying by amazing performance is you're leading your team to Super Bowls, plural. Why do you get a pass for 78 yards mm-hmm. and saying that you got scared on the last play of the game and nobody else does it and you haven't earned it except for being a stat machine? Yeah, and I got to sound hypocritical because – I I knocked Cam Newton last week, but Cam Newton went into Seattle and looked a defense dead in their faces, known for shutting people down, especially at the end of the game. Drove his team down the field, and he didn't look scared. Matter of fact, he took a shot early. He took a yeah, shot a early. Full strength Seattle too, which Green Bay yeah. didn't play a full strength Seattle. So um, it's just you know some little things like that, man. You know, it just bothers me, and and you have to hear about people. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is the best. Aaron Rodgers is the future goat. He might be, but right now I don't. I don't think that's the mentality of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And and I know some people are probably like, oh, it's just one game. But that that one game 
is is symbolic of a playoff atmosphere. That's the type of team yeah. he's going to be playing. And he's not going to have Jordy Nelson. Jordy's gone. He ain't coming back. Exactly. And it's not Lacey. just one game because last year in the, in the AFC Championship, I mean, NFC Championship game, they lost. He didn't play that well. They, he didn't play. You can say he's hurt or what. He's a quarterback. It's his leg. Play in the pocket. It's, 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 it's the games against the 49ers that he lost when y'all were there. That, that he did not have great games, and you're supposed to be the guy carrying the team. You're the best quarterback in the league. You have the weapons. Get it done. It's not like he has a lack of weapons, and it's not like he doesn't have, you know, the things around him. See, either you – Get it done, or you don't. It's not like he was throwing for 400 yards and he just got beat, too. He has not had the greatest game outside of that one now, play um, Now, how much of uh, an impact has um, Ed Lacy's in- inconsistent play uh, been on Aaron Rodgers? Do you, do you think that the uh, the lack of running game um, to kind of pace that offense is uh, affecting him? I mean, um Starks has had a couple games, but I do think it's mattered a lot that Lacey hasn't. When they struggled last year, they started out 0-2, and I forgot what they actually got off the start to when he said relax. Uh, they didn't have their running game going, and I know a lot of fantasy owners were upset because Lacey got started slow. So I think it does limit him, and no quarterback needs to be out there passing yeah, 35, 40 times a game. So that's that's not being helped. Either that he can just mm-hmm. go back, he has to just go back there and pass. And what it is, he's trying to make everything happen. And some of that though isn't needed. He, he's not like the play with Randall. It was open. And I think the Packers and he can audible through this too. The Packers have to do more stuff where they manufacture open receivers instead of just relying on them to get open. Because against good defenses, I mean, you got Norman on the other side. You you're not going to get open on him. With no, it really doesn't matter who you are. The way he's playing. So you're going to have to do some manufacturing. That's what the Patriots do. They're not relying on Edelman to get open against one-on-one coverage. They're moving people around. They're, they're playing bunch formations. They're playing stack formations. And they're using cro- a lot of, what you see, a lot of the crossing routes that they do in pick plays. Those things yeah, are, pick are ways to manufacture open receivers. And if you just put two dudes, and that's what the Cowboys are doing so much of, you just put your dude on the right, put a dude on the left, put a dude in the slot, and expect him to beat coverage, it's not going to always happen. So you got to get more creative as an offense. So it's not just Rodgers, but it is Rodgers holding the ball and trying to make things happen and playing outside the structure of the offense too much. He's relying on – he's like he's he's falling back on one of his strengths, but it's, it's a strength that he should use 25%. But let's say he's using it 30% or 40%, which I don't know the actual stats. So I'm just giving you them. And that's the problem right now. And obviously he's still great. He's still very good. You saw when he came back. He's still awesome, but – where we're talking about, if you're talking about greatness and you're talking about winning Super Bowls, I mean, you've got to go over it with a fine-tooth comb. Mm-hmm. Now, one other question I wanted to ask, um, and, I, and I think a lot of people don't realize it, but um, do you think not having uh, Mike McCarthy calling plays is also affecting his style a little bit or, or his rhythm? That's a really good question. I don't have, I haven't heard anybody pose it yet. It's, it's hard to say because they lost Jordy. He's the same year Mike start calling a play. So honestly, I'm just gonna be honest. It's really impossible to know unless you're there. Like sometimes it's a good question, but it's like we can't without them giving some sort of. So that's actually something somebody in the media probably should ask, which I haven't heard them ask. But it, it's yeah. a very good question. But I don't think we can know the answer without 
someone digging a little deeper because we lost Jordy, and you don't have Lacey, so we don't know what McCarthy would have done with Lacey not running well and no Jordy. Yeah, and and I'm I'm real big on on the the little parts of the game like that, you know, the play calling rhythm and stuff like that, uh, especially uh, with the quarterback position. I, you know, you and I went back and forth about Greg Roman, and and I used to always vent about what I thought was his inconsistency in play calling. But um, obviously not having somebody that's been calling plays for you for the last, what, three, four seasons um, is, is going to be some something of a change. Like you said, when you when you have people like Lacey and, and, and Nelson missing, uh, we don't know how McCarthy would react in that situation. But I, I definitely wanted to pose that question. And, and, and maybe a good point you just brought up is that maybe, and this again, this is just speculation, but it's intelligent speculation, yeah. which you just made me think of, is that, when you don't have somebody you're familiar with calling the plays, maybe you're more likely to wing it. So that may what you said made mm-hmm. me think of that. Maybe he's more likely to play on rely on himself if he doesn't he hasn't been through the battles with the guy that's calling the plays now. And that guy's been on the team but he hasn't been calling the plays. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's he's learning as well. And and I mean, you know, he I think because he went from I wanna say he was a position coach. Um, Edgar Bennett. I wanna say it was Edgar mm-hmm. Bennett, but uh, he's a, he was a position coach, and now he's calling plays. And so he's he's got to adjust to the league, uh, just like the league adjusts to him. And and you know when you you run that risk of uh, keeping a system pretty much similar to almost being at a disadvantage because people kind of have an idea of how to game plan for the Packers because you're not getting away or you're not straying too far from the fundamentals of what made the Packers the Packers. But you're also trying to add your twist in there, and and it's it. We might just be seeing uh, typical um, frustration amongst the organization just because the changes are starting to to kind of you know get in the way of of progress because just because they were I think they were what six and zero and then they lost two in a row against two yeah. really good teams who who have been two established teams and I think it's maybe some frustration because uh, it brings up the the old wounds like we we're not there yet. We're not the best, you know, and and I think that's kind of how the Packers carried themselves. The first six games, like they're the best team in the NFC, and they knew it. And then they go to Denver and they get smacked in the mouth by a potential playoff team, and then they come back and then they get smacked in the mouth again by by the Panthers, and it's kind of you know and you saw it. Guys on the defensive end were fighting on the sidelines and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's boring over a little bit. They're, they're, and it's tough, too, because that game essentially put them three games behind the Panthers because Panthers have a tiebreaker, mm-hmm. and then the Panthers are 8-0, and and they're 6-2. and two. So home field mm-hmm. advantage over the Panthers seems unlikely, and they aren't the same team on the road as they are at home. Yeah, so I was gonna people say, say, say oh, you're overreacting, thing. but you're put, they put themselves in the hole, and maybe the Panthers will lose to somebody and they'll be okay, but they're really putting themselves behind the eight ball. Yeah, and you look at the Panthers' division, I don't – I don't anticipate them having too much trouble uh, with that. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe it, and, and I still, I still support Dan Quinn. It's just one of those things where, I guess you know, you're you're a new coach. This is your first year. You you don't want to be the reason why you lose the game, so you do the conventional thing, you know. But yeah. I'm under the impression I'm a first year coach. It's fourth and goal. I'm gonna play it like Madden. I wouldn't kick a field goal in Madden. It's on the one yard. Yeah, that was definitely so, a bad decision. I give him yeah. a lot of credit. I still think unless he like 
ends up six and ten, he deserves a lot of consideration for the coach of the year candidate. This is not what yeah. anybody thought Atlanta was going to be. They went for it's funny how quickly expectation rise, rises. It's like the Raiders fans. Like nobody expected anything out of the Raiders. Then I saw like five people on my Facebook and in, or in the group and out of the group are going to a game in Pittsburgh because they're back mm-hmm. on the Raider fan bandwagon. They're ready to travel because they're so excited. Mm-hmm. And people get mad on the page because the Raiders didn't get it done when last year you'd just be happy for this record. So expectations yeah, rise you, really just, quickly. So what's be happy done is good. <laughs> yeah. So definitely, um, definitely like one of the storylines is going to be. Uh, at the forefront, if guys if the guys don't uh, guys don't get their attitudes together, because I definitely want to see how high Clinton Dix try to take on Julius Peppers one on one. I would enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be like not a not a smart. I mean, but that's one of those things when you talk to a dude that big, you just you talk from a distance, like you talk your stuff. <laughs> you yeah. make sure there's a lot of people in between. You can't yeah, back definitely. down, but you make sure there's space. Now, uh, the next one we'll switch to the uh, AFC. Are the Broncos going to be able to stay healthy for a Super Bowl run? Because I'm I'm a hundred percent sure that if you were in my, at Mile High, you would know it's it's Super Bowl a bust up there. So they're not looking at no no playoff appearance. They want to get all the way. So I'm a little concerned because they're they're starting to get nicked up, uh, especially on the defensive side, which is their strongest attribute going into uh, this second half of the season. So do they have enough, you think, to, to stay healthy and go on a Super Bowl run? It's tough because they got a lot of people, free agents like Tlaib, and I think the one of the safeties, I think Ward, I can't remember, I think it's T.J. Ward, that was a free agent, but they and Ware. So they've gone out on defense, and even before with Welker, but they've gone out the last two years and gotten uh, weapons on defense and on offense, but they were veterans. So with veterans, you run the risk of them getting nicked up. Tlaib has always has had a big-time injury history. You see the stupid thing he did last night. But with the Patriots, he was getting nicked up all the time. And you have Ware, who's getting older and, and been nicked up all year. So attrition can be uh, a deadly thing. But also what I like about Denver is they have a, a mix of old and young. They had Bradley Roby in the slot. They have Chris Harris Jr. They have Vaughn Miller, Shane Ray, and the other uh, defensive end. I can't remember his name, but he's been actually better than Ray so far, but he's young and maybe a rookie a year or two. So I like the mix, even if they do get banged up, I like the depth that they have on defense. And then Brandon Marshall also is very good, and he's young. So for all the old guys they have, I still think they're deep enough to make that run in the playoffs and possibly beat New England. But they want to beat New England, let's hope that Tlaib and Rue are healthy for their sake. Yeah, they're, they're gonna need they're gonna need a, a full squad to beat New England, and the Patriots are eight zero. And, and looking at their second half of their schedule, I think it's safe to say they're probably gonna end up fourteen and two at worst. Um, so they're gonna have home field locked down. Uh, do you think Peyton Manning? Because we, I I drew this comparison last night uh, talking about Kobe Bryant. And um, we had this discussion in the group kind of briefly today as well. Do you think Peyton Manning has enough left that he can he can dial it back and, and beat a team like the Patriots? Honestly, no. But I think straight good things happen. I think it's possible, I think. But, well, yeah, I'm just going to say no. I'm not even going to hedge it. I, I wish it was. They, they would have to try to 
match them and get home field advantage somehow. But they're not going into Foxborough. I don't know what his record is going to Foxborough, but it would be super cold. It's going to be in January. He's going to be going against a good defense. He already was struggling uh, two or three years ago. In a winter, he was struggling famously with that game against uh, Baltimore, even though he threw a lot of yards. You could see that he just lost on a lot of his balls. Now you can see that all the time. So I don't see him going into Foxborough and winning on the road like that. If somehow the Patriots would get out of the way, I could see it happening, but I just don't think he has it. I think the funny thing is that he's surrounded by such a good team, whereas Kobe is surrounded by a horrible team, and we kind of would be ignoring more of Kobe's uh, struggles if he was playing for a team that was winning. But since he's not, we really see his deterioration. But Peyton, he doesn't the, – the bar isn't as high for him to cross to be decent because he says it makes few plays, and he's kind of basically a game manager at this point. Yeah, and, and we overlook the Bengals in this in this conversation just because I I think they're they're set, um, especially with the Steelers still dealing with more injuries. Um, but it's kind of it, it's basically a three man race: uh, Patriots, Bengals, and and Broncos right now. I mean, I don't have a lot of high expectations for the AFC South, but I, I'll ask anyway: Is anybody going to challenge the Colts for that division? Is it possible? No. Is it possible that the Titans go in a little run? No, not the Titans, not the Texans. They just don't have the personnel. In the bottom line, when you look at these teams, they do not have the personnel to compete on a weekend, week out basis, and be consistent. As much as we thought, the te- and the Texans actually have some talent, but they even still are not performing up to par. They can't find a quarterback, and they supposed to have a quarterback guru in Bill O'Brien. There, Jacksonville obviously is not it. And the t- Tennessee just Tennessee has a couple players, it's a couple positions that look good, but nobody that's going to beat you every week and make a difference. And just, mm-hmm. so, just no. I, I I still could see the Colts doing some damage because you have luck at 100 percent, and they get some of those things fixed. I could still see them getting back to the AFC Championship game, which I know a lot of people wouldn't believe, but it means only winning two games if they end up being a wild card. Well, not wild card, but the fourth seed is only winning two games. That can happen. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> I'm looking at the standings now. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting because you got the Jets are five and three, the Bills are four and four, Steelers are five and four, and then you just skip over the South, and then you got the Raiders who are four and four. So it could create quite a mess at the end of the year. So we'll and have I can see definitely. one of those teams coming up and getting an upset. I can see a Raiders team, a Bills team. Even a Steelers team, when everybody gets it, well, not, you're not going to get Bell, but healthy Ben. I could see them beat, not the Patriots, but I could see them beating a Broncos team or a Cincinnati team on the road in the playoffs. I, I could see that, even though it looks like those teams are far ahead. But sometimes mm-hmm. when it turns cold and the playoffs happen, it's just a different a different game. Yeah, and, and speaking of which, I, I'm kind of mad I skipped over this. And we talked about the Packers and, and their situation. Are they in danger of potentially losing that division? Because the Vikings are six and two, and and it's a quiet six and two. Yeah, people are. I mean, when are people going to like take them seriously? Like when I do the power rankings and I'll come out with them tomorrow, people always poo poo the Vikings. And they're like, why do you have them in the top ten? Well, they keep winning. Mm-hmm. That's why I have them in the top ten. I'm not going to put them in the top five, but I'm not going to disrespect the team that's only lost two games. And so, but they also haven't played the Packers yet. So that's that's part of the test too. If they have played the Packers, 
I could say yeah if they were competitive or they only and they or they'd actually beat them. But I'm gonna say no until if the Packers have shown they can beat who they're supposed to be and they can beat pretty much anybody at home. So I don't think the Vikings are really. I think they're kind of. A, I think it's called a stalking horse. It's like you just run fast enough for the lead horse to get his time up and push him a little bit, but you're not actually. Mm-hmm competing with them because you can't really beat them. So I think it's like that, and they might make the playoffs and it's been a good year, but I don't look at them as legit Super Bowl contenders or a legit yeah. threat to win the division even. All right. Well, that was a pretty good conversation. <laughs> uh, I, I'm i going to have more in-depth questions and stuff. I just, I honestly just need a Sunday to watch football. Um, I haven't had good. a chance. Those are really good. Yeah, I haven't had a That's chance awesome. to actually watch football. But um, only really on Monday nights, and I know I'll be off on Thursday. But we've got playoffs for flag, and then I got like the next three weekends off, so um, I'll be able to catch some actual games. But um, I'm I'm gonna I want to bring you on for the NBA talk um as well. I'm trying to get a roundtable going with uh, you, uh, Malone, and and a couple maybe one other person, because uh, there's a lot of storylines in uh, the NBA that are worth talking about as well. Yeah, anytime, anytime. It's good. I'm glad that you're doing it. We're going to keep uh, keep it going. If we can get a couple of shows and train the guys to listen to a couple of shows every week, I think we'll be good to go. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to let you go, man. And um, we'll, this will be on, I guess, the IBS uh, account. So you yeah, can it'll just... be on the IBS feed, and I'll, right. I'll put it out there. Sounds good. All right. All right, cool, man. Thanks. All right, so that was the fourth episode of IBS After Dark. I appreciate you guys being patient with me. Like I said, I'm transitioning my podcast stuff over to the uh, IBS account just because we're trying to work on something and uh, just put everything together so uh, the show's more accessible to people because I know I've got maybe three or four people who listen to my regular show, but he's got uh, a couple, maybe 100 people who listen to the IBS stuff on his account. So putting it all together... That was uh, pretty much primarily NFL talk uh, for this episode because there's just a lot of stuff going on in the league right now behind the scenes um, after this past week. A lot of tensions rising. People are starting to uh, hit their stride. Some people are starting to fall behind. So once that separation starts, it's going to get real interesting. Uh, Going into this week, uh, what I have lined up, um, I will have some – in a, um, some NBA talk probably on Thursday. Um, I'll try to get Malone in there, but we're definitely going to talk about college football because this next weekend and the weekend after coming up are going to be two of the best college football weekends of the entire year, and I don't want to neglect that. Uh, so be on the lookout for those for those episodes. It'll probably be on Thursday night. So, again, this is IBS After Dark. I'm IBS Jesus. Thank you guys for listening.